What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales, episode number 66. My name is Kyle O'Grady, and every single week on the show, I, a thru-hiker, a peak-bagger, a huge hiking nerd, chat with other thru-hikers, other peak-baggers, and other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail. And you can add Ironman athletes to that list because this week's guest, a man named Ryan Fox, is going to be competing in the Lake Placid Ironman Triathlon this upcoming summer. And that is something that we talk a little bit about at the end of this episode. Ryan has also done the Appalachian Trail and a good chunk of the PCT as well. We talk about all that stuff. This dude had a very unique thru-hike of the AT. He started southbound, like super late in the season. Very rare, and honestly, it was kind of cool to hear about his experience hiking a trail that I've done, but doing it in such a different way, I guess. So it was a great time. Ryan, when you hear this, thank you so much for reaching out. Thanks for being a longtime listener of the show, and thanks for coming on. Let's do it again soon. With that said, we're going to get into the conversation in just a second. First, I got to read a couple iTunes reviews. As you guys know, when I get the five-star iTunes reviews and I get like a little blurb, a little message that goes along with it, I like to read them during these introductions. So let's just do a couple here. This one says, I love this podcast as an aspiring thru-hiker and one who is currently tackling the 48. I'm loving this podcast. It's funny, positive, down-to-earth, and interesting. Your energy and demeanor are great, and the sound quality is just fine. I don't know why I'm saying it in that voice. Keep it up, Kyle. (laughs) I look forward to new episodes every week. That is an amazing review. Thank you so much to whoever wrote that. This next one says, This podcast is one of the greatest hiking pods out there. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to the release of this podcast weekly. One of the best hiking pods out there. I have a special connection to this podcast. Being a fellow Vermonter like the host Kyle, keep up the great work, Kyle, until we meet along the trail someday. That's amazing. I love when Vermonters reach out to me. and I have like a, a disproportionate amount of Patreon supporters that are from Vermont, which is pretty cool. So yeah, go Vermont and go Trail Tales. <laughs> Let's say you don't have iTunes or you just don't have a computer and you can't leave a review or whatever. Um, even though they're probably done on a phone, I assume. I have an Android phone, so I can't even use iTunes if I wanted to. Anyways, let's say you want to help support the show in a different way. There are a couple other things you can do. First of all, just word of mouth. If you enjoy an episode, tell a friend, tell a loved one, post it on social media somewhere, tag me, all of that good stuff. At Trail Tales Pod is the Insta, also on Facebook. If you just type in Trail Tales. And let's say that just sharing it isn't enough for you. Let's say you want to go the extra mile. That is where the Patreon comes in for just a couple bucks a month. You can support Trail Tales. You'll get a bonus episode and a blooper reel. Uh, I got to be honest, uh, during one of the episodes this month, my microphone just fell off the stand in the middle of the recording. So (laughs) you're going to get to hear that if it's worth fucking paying that money for. I don't know. But anyways, you should definitely go check it out. Patreon.com slash Trail Tales. You'll also get invited to the monthly video chat, which we just started last month. I'm already looking forward to this month's chat. It's just coming up in a couple days here. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe sign up now and you'll be able to get into that on Thursday. I don't know. At least go check it out. It would mean a lot to me. And with that said, I think we're going to get into the episode. My conversation with Ryan Fox, Appalachian Trail Class of 2018. Ryan Fox, what's up, dude? How's it going? Thank you so much for taking the time today. I'm stoked. Yeah, absolutely. Been a uh, long-time listener of the pod, and and uh, totally stoked to, to to be on it for sure. I appreciate that, man. How 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 long of a listener are you? See, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you like on the spot here. <laughs> You're like, fuck. I haven't actually listened to all the episodes, but I've listened to a couple. But no, I'm just curious, like, how when did you first like start listening? All right, so I probably first came across it uh, when I was sometime along the PCT when I was just kind of running out of things to listen to. Uh, I, I hadn't really explored hiking podcasts too much and yours came up pretty quickly. It was more associated with the AT, but I saw like that it was super relevant to listen mm. to. So it kind of yeah. popped into it. Yeah. That makes sense. I find it kind of interesting that you were listening to it while you were like actually hiking. Cause I've heard other people say this and honestly, I'm kind of the same way too. Like 
when I'm actually hiking, I don't like to listen to anything that's re- like related to hiking like at all. Like I'm just like <laughs> fucking stay away from that. And I know other people are the same way when it comes to that stuff. So I just yeah. think, and you're not the only person who's told me that they listen to it while they hike, obviously, but I just think that's kind of interesting. You weren't like sick of hearing talk about trails and shit while you were living on the trail. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm a hiking nerd in that way, I guess. I just I I don't know. I would like to be kind of zoned in on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. It makes sense. Well, this is this is the show for the hiking nerds, I guess, because I literally fucking say that in every introduction. So you're in the right place, my friend. Um, why don't you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself and just give a brief overview of what you've hiked and done and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, well, I, uh, I'm 23 years old. Uh, born and raised in Connecticut, um, growing up was not really super into hiking. I'm a very active person. I've been an active person all my life, mostly like a runner background. I ran competitively in high school and college for a division one program for a little bit. Nice. Um, so yeah. And then I got into triathlons, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, but, uh, Two years ago, I uh, had an issue with my knee that was running related, had a surgery, wasn't able to run for quite a while and really wasn't able to do much of any kind of like physical activity that I was used to doing. So kind of went through a bad headspace time and did a lot of walking just like around where I live. Um, I live in Albany, New York. There's there's not any mountains within this immediate range. The Adirondacks aren't like super far away, but like – I don't have a car and there's nothing really accessible nearby. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of walk around, uh, do like a lot of walking and, um, it kind of popped into my head in May of 2018. So really not too long ago to, uh, to hike the AT. Uh, I didn't really know much about it. Um, I, again, as a boy scout, I think I had hiked once up bear mountain, which is the highest mountain in Connecticut. Um, and I didn't really have like, like a super like positive experience in that. I just kind of, um, I had, I had heard of it. So didn't know any through hikers, uh, in person, didn't really have any connection to the hiking community whatsoever. Um, so I did like a ton of YouTube research for several months. Uh, I worked at a, uh, summer camp in New Hampshire right before, uh, like, so I had already committed to that for the summer of 2018. So, I was doing all this research if it was still possible to hike the AT uh, starting in like mid-August or later. And I saw a lot of things that said it wasn't possible, but mm-hmm. I kind of just went for it anyway. Um, <laughs> and I summoned Katahdin August 17th, still having not met a thru-hiker in my life. My friend drove me there <laughs> and I hiked because at that time there was a lot of day hikers there, but still no thru-hikers. Spent uh, my first night um, next uh, alongside Abal Bridge. Yep. Um, uh, I did like all of Baxter in one day. Um, so I was like immediately throwing a lot of miles into my feet, which would led to a lot of problems that I could get to in a little bit. But um, I did not actually meet a, another through hiker until I think my fourth day on trail. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Some people kind of like get thrown in with a lot of people on Springer and this was not only going Sobo, but this was like two months after most Sobos leave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it it ended up being uh, my hike was four months. Um, I I there was a lot of aspects of it going late as a Sobo that made it really unique to a lot of things that I had heard about the AT. Um, and yeah, I mean overall it was one of the best experiences of my life. I. Few months later, went out to the PCT. Uh, the goal was to do the whole thing over the summer. I'm still in grad school, so didn't have like a ton of time. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, uh, some of the same problems that I incurred with my body on the AT happened to me on the PCT. And um, in addition to just time, like I just, yeah, yeah, it was not realistic to do it in like 100 days. There are many people that have done it, and you've had some people on your show. That, that are definitely more than capable of doing something like that. And maybe a one day I'll be, but I, I ended up hiking about 1500 miles of the PCT. Um, uh, and actually ended that before mid August. So like I had done it in like kind of a 12 month period with the AT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty um, cool, honestly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of bike packing as well. 
uh, which I don't think I had mentioned to you before, but um, that's something I've gotten into and plan to do some long trips with that. So, Dude, you do it all. Freaking through hiking, <laughs> running, freaking Ironman stuff, bike packing. Jesus Christ. You got it going on. That's pretty crazy, dude. Um, let's talk about the AT a little bit. So yeah, sure. this is like one of the first things that kind of fascinated me when you reached out because as you said yourself there a second ago, leaving in August, like late August arguably is not a normal thing for Sobos or anybody really who's trying to do a through hike of the AT. So that's interesting. Um, you kind of just explained why that was the case. So why don't you just go ahead and kind of elaborate a little bit more on like those first couple weeks, I guess. And you said you had some problems starting out with like the big miles. I guess, first of all, so I'm assuming you knew that you kind of had to hit the ground running because you were starting so late. Yeah, I did know that. Um, I mean, I, I I went in with like a lot of confidence, which is a good thing and, and also a very bad <laughs> thing in some ways. Um, you know, I knew that I was a very fit person. I had a lot of like you know, uh, long distance endurance background. So, um, truthfully, my initial goal was to do the trail in a hundred days, which was approximately a little after Thanksgiving, if I had done that. Yeah. So like, um, you know, I knew it, and I knew that I had to kind of be quick in general, just to beat the weather, but I, I wanted to start like moving. Um, gotcha. So, and that started with the first day. Like I initial plan was to just hike up and down Katahdin and kind of do what most Sobos do and stay the night um, uh, near the base of Katahdin. I think it's like Katahdin Stream Campground. Yeah, yeah. So immediately after uh, starting off um, up and down Katahdin, rather than staying overnight uh, at the base of Katahdin, like Katahdin Stream Campground, um, I just went through the whole uh, park, camped out uh, at Abel Bridge. So that was already like a 20-ish mile day. Yeah, right off going this, Yeah, yeah and, and then the extra, the extra miles, yeah, to go up Yeah, and that's crazy. So, and then I still kept, I kept it going. I, I actually didn't even, I couldn't set up my tent that first night. That's how like ill-prepared I was <laughs> on the gear side of this. I had no real, um, I had like a Marmont Force, which is a tent that like no one has on the AT, but my friend, let me use it. Uh, let me borrow it. Um, which was, you know, I was very generous of her. So, um, so I immediately went in, um, and I was doing like 20 to 25s in the hundred mile wilderness. And while physically, like I was able to handle it, like my cardiovascular, my feet, uh, were in like totally new territory. Yeah. Um, with, I had a very heavy pack, uh, a lot of food and I was like, my feet were immediately getting blisters and I, re- I didn't really think about it too much at first. I was just kind of like powering through. Um, I kind of had a history with running as well, just kind of powering through pain, which again, kind of like one of my weaknesses. <laughs> and I got about halfway through the hundred mile and things started to get uh, a little bit more serious. Um, a lot of my blisters on the bottom of my feet started popping and more blisters were forming underneath them. Um, and people like were very generous. There was a lot of like section hikers around there, not too many through hikers, but section hikers were helping me like, oh, like you need some KT tape, you need some Luco tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, there was no hope <laughs> for me at that point. Damn. Um, I, the, the last 10 miles of the 100 mile wilderness were not only the most painful miles of the trail, but most like probably painful miles of my life. Um, the bottoms of my feet, uh, I sent you. I, I sent you a couple pictures in the email. I yeah, me, I, I I briefly looked. I don't think I could <laughs> keep my eyes on it for longer than a yeah. half second. But so shit was nasty, bro. So my my feet essentially like opened up, like full. Like not to get too graphic on this podcast, <laughs> but like literally bleeding uh, through my socks. Uh, no skin on like large portions of my feet, and I kind of dragged myself through the last like couple miles. I, I think I stayed at like the last shelter before Munson um, the night before. And I literally just didn't sleep the whole night. I was in so much pain and just like taking too much ibuprofen that one should take. <laughs> um, got to the uh, road crossing and Shaw's took me to the local hospital. Uh, I think it was in, like Greenville. And that kind of obviously took a whirlwind on the hike because 
you know, here I was, I was intending on doing like twenties and more every day to get to my goal. And I was like in a hospital bed. I like, I remember they put my feet in this, uh, solution with water and I was just screaming. <laughs> um, and then I get back to Shaw's and it was kind of like an uncertain, like, what am I going to do situation? Because I, I, I physically couldn't walk. Like I, yeah. I, I was like hobbling, um, used to trying to walk on the balls of my feet, like just around the hostel. And, um, I couldn't set up my tent in the yard. I had to have someone help me. And it, it was honestly, it was a really like, I, I really wasn't sure what to do. I had said, I took a semester off from grad school for this whole thing. So like, I was thinking like, am I going to have to just kind of like, like, what am I going to do with myself? I was yeah. thinking about like getting a flight home and, you know, I talked to some friends and they were like, you should just stick it out at Shaw's. Um, and that's kind of what I did. I, I did as much work for stay there as I could for a couple of days. I, I like was, I folded laundry. They had a spare pair of crutches like hanging around. Like, <laughs> I don't know what hiker left those, but I used those. <laughs> Probably didn't get very far, whoever it was. <laughs> no, no. So I like hobbled. I remember one day I hobbled to the little market on the corner of the main street and back. Then the next day I hobbled over to like the AT visitor center and back. And then the day after that, I hobbled um, a little bit further. And every day for like a week, I just kind of like, like worked into, to, to putting more pressure on my feet. And I like soaked my feet and, um, uh, some kind of, uh, it was like Epsom salts. So if you're a hiker looking for like ways to cure your feet quickly, Epsom salts are great. How, um, um, how long were you kind of hold up at Shaw's for? So only one week actually. Um, Damn. But still like when you're starting late like that, I feel like it must've been kind of stressful to like oh, yeah. basically set yourself back a whole week with already such a late start date, you know? It, it was getting into September and I was like at Shaw's. So like no Sobo wants to be like in Munson, uh, in September. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was flip floppers like that had done like the first half of the trail and they were coming southbound. Um, so like I was seeing some of those, but, and when I, on it, when I came back, uh, when, when, um, poet who owned Shaw's, he was a great, uh, great host to me. And I, I can't think of enough, but when he dropped me back off of the road crossing, like he was like super hesitant. I was like still kind of limping mm-hmm. and he's like, you're sure you're good. Like, if you need anything, just call us. Like, you know, we have the number for the guy in Caratunk. If you get close to there and you're, you know, out of whack, just call them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, like, I think I'm good. Um, and there was obviously like a lot of sensitivity the first like a uh, few weeks after that. But yeah. um, I eventually got the ball rolling again um, pretty well. So nice. I'm glad to hear you were able to kind of continue on from there dude i'm trying to figure out where we would have like passed each other yeah we must have passed each other because i was thinking that when i you know when i initially saw your bio because you you must have been see i i remember i was in hanover on the last day of august so i was in lincoln new hampshire like a couple days later so i'm thinking it must have been do you do you remember when you got to like the new hampshire border like what day uh yeah so i i got to it was like september it would have been in the neighborhood of september 10th Uh, so we must have passed each other in the whites somewhere is what i'm thinking yeah yeah probably um yeah because i was seeing the last the last nobos that i saw like real nobos were um around hanover uh after that it was uh hardly anybody <laughs> yeah because i mean i was at like the tail end and so yeah that that would make sense yeah um, i'm I'm glad to hear you were able to kind of keep going though i feel like 99 percent of people would have freaking called it right then and there you know after uh limping into monson like that so that's pretty cool i guess you must have not like started out doing 20s right after that though you must have had to taper up a little bit right yeah so just because of the nature of the trail in that area with the big lows and yeah. the crockers like i i definitely i was doing like 10 to 15 which was still like a lot um you know for that area but i was i kind of cut it down um i was initially you know initially i had planned to kind of skip certain towns or hostels but i kind of took advantage of that experience a little bit more and i'm very glad i did 
Um, cause those were the only hostels where like, I actually got to like hang out with other hikers. Once I passed, um, uh, Hanover, um, I still stayed in hostels throughout the South, but like literally just me at the hostel and the owner, which was a whole <laughs> cool experience itself. Um, yeah, dude, there must, you must've been like <laughs> by yourself for most of this hike then. Yeah. 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 Very much. Um, it, it was around Southern Virginia that I started catching like kind of back end Sobos, yeah. but, um, but yeah, mostly it was a pretty solo experience. But um, but yeah, I took I took a couple days in Hanover. My brother goes to Dartmouth. Oh, uh, nice! So that was kind of a hookup. I got to stay in a dorm for a couple nights, and then I did not take another zero between Hanover and Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Holy shit, dude! Um, that's crazy. So like, yeah, I was just I was just in a rhythm. Um, I took some Nero's, you know, in and out of town, yeah, yeah. of course. But, um, and the reason for that zero in Gatlinburg was like out of necessity for another reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I kind of had a pretty good streak going. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a, how many miles is that? Like roughly without a zero? That's, a, uh, <laughs> well, I thought I didn't take many zeros. Holy shit. I mean, it's, I mean, it's around like, um, uh, Hanover's about 400 something. So Gallenberg was like, it was a 1500 miles. But the, the thing is like, there are people out there. And again, you, you've had some of them on your show that like are these like yeah. ultra endurance people that are, you know, out there putting like, you know, dwarfing what I'm doing. And then there's like, you know, more of the average through hiker. And like, I was kind of trying to find my place in between that. Like I knew I wasn't some kind of ultra endurance athlete, but I knew I had some background. So like I was, that was kind of my struggle like trying to figure out like how to balance that, like kind of go getter, like do all the miles, but also like also chill, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. find the balance. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you made it either way. So dude, that's so crazy. Um, did you wish you were hiking around more people for most of your hike or did you kind of like the, the solitude, I guess? Um, uh, mixed feelings. I mean, I, so I, on the AT, I didn't listen to any music. It was only the PCT that I started to do that. Um, I actually, I carried an iPod with me the whole time and I never once an used iPod? it. An iPod? Yeah. Like a nano, like a, <laughs> I, yeah, I was too, I don't know why. Do you not have a smartphone? Like, yeah, bro. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I do. I, for some reason I thought that like, I'd want to conserve the battery more. I, I had a okay, battery I guess pack, that's fair. so. I don't know. I never ended up using it anyway. It was totally a waste of like 50 bucks or whatever I spent on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I was totally fine with like the solitude because I was still seeing like day hikers um, until about like right after Shenandoah, you get into like the priest area and like things started to get very quiet at that time. Um, I, I found myself, I never was really too into the log books, but I found myself like just kind of like reading the log books at night to see how close like anyone was. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was just kind of tracking down like a couple people that were like a week or two ahead of me. And I was trying to gain ground them just to like talk to another Sobo. Um, because, you know, it, as you mentioned before, and you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a whole component to talk to other through hikers, not just like day hikers, you know, yeah, in the experience. And that was something I definitely lacked uh, for, pretty much most of, not all of my hike. So, um, yeah, it definitely got to me Southern Virginia. I was getting a little over there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. Did you meet many people that were uh, hesitant to believe that you were going to make it all the way? Because, like, no offense, but if someone told me they were starting Sobo in August, and especially if they had to take, like, a week off pretty shortly into the hike i would be pretty hesitant to i think that's reasonable to be hesitant that they're going to make it all the way obviously uh you did make it all the way but um i'm just curious if anybody yeah was hesitant or doubted you or anything like that oh yeah i mean i had i had like i remember i had like an older guy like that does the long trail like every single year and i saw him like in vermont and he's like oh i've never seen anyone like this this late in the season out here like <laughs> you're gonna like there's no like the classic like you know you, you know you're never gonna make it down there like, yeah and i get a lot of that even as far as um even as far as like damascus like Jesus. i was still getting people that were like because at that time it was like just about december um and i, mean, I still got people that were like yeah there's no 
there's, you know, you're going to have to like come back in the spring. But the good part about the AT, unlike, um, or at least the AT in the South, is that there nothing really closes. Yeah. So you can really be out there as late as you want. And I, I kind of tested the waters with that at the end. Um, but yeah, you can, there's no, nothing closes really. Yeah, that is, that is nice. Um, were you like frustrated by people being doubtful at first or did you just kind of roll with the punches and be like, fuck it? Like, I'm sure you got kind of used to it after, or as used to it as you can get after a while. But, um, I don't know, just, (laughs) just from my perspective, because I like started late, totally different scenario, but, um, even then, like I've, there's a couple times where people were like not like blatantly doubting me but like a little bit hesitant to like mostly just at the beginning and i don't know i was always kind of like screw you guys i'm gonna fucking crush this shit so i'm just <laughs> i'm just curious how that affected you you know yeah i mean i i never let it get like too far to me like i've had a lot of like um i mean I, i've had like injuries in the past with my running and um you know, endurance, other endurance activities that have kind of like set me back in the past. And those, like, I I don't know if it translates super well, but the, like, the kind of pushing, pushing out all the doubters and and most of the doubter people were people that weren't really uh, through hiking themselves. Like I, I didn't meet, I, I mean, obviously any Sobo that I met, was also like on the same mindset that they were going to finish. Yeah. Um, so like no other through hikers, uh, would say that to me after like Nobos that I, that maybe doubted me like in like New Hampshire, but, um, and I knew Sobos had finished in February. Uh, <laughs> so I, I did know a couple, so it was, I didn't even, I mean, I finished like late December, but it was, <laughs> I knew people that, that still kept going. So did you get any like a uh, bad weather towards the end hiking so late into the season? Yeah, so I had kind of a crazy situation in the Smokies happen to me. Um, so I I reached Standing Bear, which is like the northern end of the Smokies, um, right before like a massive storm was supposed to hit it. And the Smokies are a 70 mile stretch where the only road through them is Newfound Gap. And there was a couple of Sobos there uh, at the hostel. And some of them like just didn't want to go through some. Uh, but me and another guy were like, screw it, like, you know, 70 miles, like, uh, you know, temperatures weren't like going to be terrible. It was just going to be like a lot of snow. Yeah. So it was like December 10th or something. And I needed to do, like, I had kind of a deadline that I had to be back for. Um, and I knew that I I still had to get like 20 miles a day, like in every day for the rest of the trip. I wanted to finish at the time. And like at that time I, I hadn't taken a zero since Hanover. So I was like, I'm not going to like take an, like a zero at this point. Like I'm, I've got to go all the way, you know? Yeah. So we went in, me and this other guy and I uh, stayed at a shelter like 20 miles into Smokies and woke up the next morning. There was literally like, like three feet of snow on the ground, Holy especially shit. On, on the ridges. It was, it was like, and this was like powder. This wasn't, you know, this is early in the season. So this wasn't like, snow that you could walk on very well yeah so almost immediately like i remember even just like the point to walk like out of the shelter to the trail like took an insane amount of time and effort and mm. i think you know i made it like i was like i had gone it took me to do 10 miles it took like most of the day and i was like realizing that i didn't have enough food we didn't have you know we didn't have a lot of it we're, there's no way we were going to make it to fontana dam like going at the pace we were going with the food we had. So called the park service. Uh, we just had like enough service to call them. And we were like, hey, we're going to be at Newfound Gap. Um, we we're wondering, you know, if the road's open and if like there's access to like get into Gatlinburg, like if there's like, you know, possibility of someone getting us a ride or if, if there's a way we could get down there, how long of a road walk is it? And they're like, well, the road's closed um, because <laughs> of the storm. And, but there are heated bathrooms at, uh, at Newfound Gap. So for anyone that doesn't know the AT, like there's usually not even a picnic bench at like a road crossing. So like to have like heated bathrooms, like it's almost like not believable. So (laughs) we like trudged our way and finally got to the, uh, the gap and, um, miraculously these bathrooms were open, like unlocked. Uh, so we like, we were ready to like camp out in there for like, uh, several days if we had to like we were totally prepared to just stake out there but 
fortunately, um, uh, I guess they were pretty bored down at the park service because they were like, oh, we'll send a guy out there to get you. Uh, and <laughs> nice. some dude came in on like a big truck and um, he was just, it was funny. He was actually like just taking, it was less of a rescue mission and more of like a him getting out of the office because uh, he was like just taking pictures like, oh, this is not, I haven't been up here in a little bit. Anyway, we got a ride down to Gatlinburg and um, uh, there's a nice uh, hostel there uh, that we got to stay at. And um, uh, pretty much I kind of saw through my resources and was able to find a ride to Fontana Dam. Um, so I wasn't able to actually get back up to Newfound Gap. Um, and I ended up covering that 40 mile stretch, uh, not until May. Uh, I went back up there with my mom actually for Mother's Day weekend and we hiked that like last 40 mile section. Um, but yes. I, but I, I did, so then I did, uh, kind of go from Fontana Dam and kind of speed through to Springer. There was a lot of blowdowns from the storm, uh, all over yeah. the trail. Uh, it was like that honestly might've even been harder to get through than the snow, just like the trail maintenance down there, like in December is just not a thing. So, you know, you kind of take for granted how nice and clear the trails are sometimes, especially in the South, but, um, totally just like thick stuff that we were going through. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, it must be damn near impossible to get a ride back up if the freaking roads closed and you guys kind of bailed out there and did, they close. Yeah. Did you yeah. end up actually spending a night in the bathroom at all? I, uh, it almost came to, we were there for several hours and then the park service like called me back and they were like, actually we can pick you up. So we were there for a few hours. Um, but it was nice. I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk that bathroom up. You know, if you're a newfound gap and, <laughs> and you know, it's cold or even if it's not cold, like that is a nice bathroom for the Appalachian trail. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> Plenty of through hikers have slept <laughs> in that bathroom. Like, trust me. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I've heard many stories about that bathroom and saw a couple people there when I went through as well. So that's pretty yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, dude, let's talk about the PCT a little bit. Um, so what, when did you like leave? What direction did you go? All that stuff. Cause I'm just kind of curious, you know, not really being around that many other through hikers on the AT. If you were hiking the PCT, like during peak through hiking season, that must've been like a much different experience. But yeah, I, I don't even know like what, what time of year were you on the PCT? Yeah. So PCT, yeah, it's kind of a shock to the system in the sense of people. Um, I started May 15th, which was um, in a normal year, that would be considered somewhat late, but in this year with the Sierra snow um, being like at like 200%, that was that was a relatively normal, maybe on the later end. Um, and yeah, I started, uh, I was northbound this time um, and started at the border. Um, immediately was doing 25 to 30 miles um, with, and, I, and there were, there was, several people I met that, um, were doing that, not a lot, but there was people. Mm -hmm. So we quickly kind of caught like the real, like herd, uh, later in the desert. And I actually, within the first 10 miles of leaving the border, I started getting blisters again. Oh, um, which was unfortunate because I had like tried so many different, like switching of my shoes, socks. I tried every combination. Um, anyway, I kind of just gritted through it, which was a mistake for later in the hike. Um, I, my feet got never to the point that they were on the 18, the hundred mile, but they just got really, really bad. Um, and I was still getting through like some 30 mile days, but it was just in like the most painful way for the feet possible. And the guys Yikes. I was, the guys I was hiking with, like I, I hiked pretty closely with a group um, about 200 miles in to about like seven or 800 miles in. And they were just every day. They were just like, dude, like, what are you, like, how are you getting, like, cause I would get into a town and like, I would take off my feet and I have a picture of other hikers taking pictures of my feet. Um, and this would probably be an appropriate time to say that my trail name is Swiss foot just because my feet just always look like Swiss cheese. Jesus Christ. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, um, that experience, you know, the desert was, uh, outside of my feet, the desert was actually pretty good this year just because it was very wet. Um, uh, lots of rain there this year. So water carries were really not terrible. Um, I mean, compared to the AT, obviously it's a whole nother animal. Oh yeah. Um, but 
it was definitely a much more uh, doable thing than I think some people make it out to be in other years. So I I made it to Kennedy Meadows, which is like uh, 700 miles in. That's like the border of the Sierra. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I made it there in one month, which was for most people like that's, you know, a bit fast. Most people take six weeks to eight weeks. Um, so I was making good time, even though my feet were like really not having it. Um, and, um, I went into the Sierra with a group and what, you know, you might've heard with a lot of people this year is that like a lot of people kind of went into the Sierra with the intention of, of either going through or they might've flip flopped before. And I was very stubborn and wanted to go straight through, but, um, I had, a lot of scary experiences going over some of the creek crossings because this was like late June at this point. So it was almost more dangerous to go into the Sierra at that point in like later June than it was like a month earlier where like uh, creeks were covered in snow bridges. So you mm-hmm. could kind of easily get across. So um, and even like the like you had to be done hiking or at least hiking over passes like by 10 a.m. because the sun would hit the snow. And it didn't matter that like a lot of us had micro spikes, like you were slipping. Damn. And uh, that, so I went over like Forester Pass, which is the highest point in the PCT. And then <laughs> initially my group, the group that I was with, we intended to go um, uh, all the way to Mammoth uh, Lakes, which is like a hundred miles beyond this like a uh, common uh, out would like it's called Kearsarge Pass. Mm-hmm. A lot of people take they take it to go out and they usually either come back through there or they'll skip around. And we we had the idea that we were just gonna skip through Kearsarge Pass because it's like an eight mile side trail to get out of there. Like oh, geez. the thought of that on the AT, like the doing point three miles out of a trail is a lot. But yeah, <laughs> this was literally to get out of to get from the PCT to like a road, it was eight miles and um we wanted to avoid that initially, so we actually went over the second pass, which is Glen Pass, and it was probably the most scary experience of my life, just because it was like we did it like in the middle of the night when like we thought the snow would be more secure, and it really wasn't, and we ended up getting up and over the pass, but ended up turning around because it was just too dangerous, and um, uh, I ended up hitchhiking uh, north a little bit um to around lake tahoe which is like considered like the northern end of the um sierra sure and i hiked from there all the way to crater lake uh oregon so um uh but progressively through that time the state of my feet just got worse and worse like constantly stopping to like like luco tape they were just covered it was, it was like mummy feet like covered in luco tape like i went to two separate doctors um one story which i'll share at the end kind of interesting um <laughs> but uh two separate doctors at two separate urgent cares in bernie california and wairica california just to like like see if they could do anything for me and they would help in the short term with like like i was given like um like some antibiotics uh different things but ultimately um i had to get off at crater lake uh just because i it was just every step was just like horribly painful mm-hmm. um beautiful i mean it's it, the trail in the northern california is totally underrated uh super beautiful i would definitely recommend like the whole like mount shasta area is, is incredible um and i had you know like you like i had never really been out there before um at all so i'm from the northeast uh these are like the only mountains that i know of over here so yeah it was like a whole nother experience. And, um, you know, the PCT culture is definitely a little bit different. Um, uh, what do you mean by that? I mean, there's definitely a lot, uh, a lot more experienced people out there from, from, from what I saw that the AT, like I'll put it this way. Like when I, when I was in Northern California, because I had skipped a little bit, I was like kind of ahead of most people and like around like the people that were moving pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and it just seemed like the norm for everyone, like once they got out of this year, was to do 30 miles a day. Like maybe not the norm, but there was a solid like 30 to 40% of people that could just do 30s. And I met people that were doing 40s. And these weren't like super crazy ultra runner people. These were like normal 
ish people that could just, you know, really, because the trail is just a lot smoother out there. So yeah. like doing 20 to 25 miles a day out there, like it made me feel like, uh, and, and I was only shortening it because of, I just, my feet were just setting me back so much, but it made me feel like I was just like such like an out of shape slow poke. Um, cause <laughs> versus on the AT, that's like the, pretty damn Yeah. Weird. And people's experience, like people on the PCT, I would say half of them are not even uh, from the U.S. Like you have people from Germany, Australia, uh, all over Europe, um, Canada, whereas the AT, the frequency of uh, internationals is a lot lower. So, and I think that people that are coming from another country in general, like as a rule of thumb, are probably going to be a little bit more prepared just because they're making this whole like trip out of it. Yeah. It's not, they're less coming here on a whim. It's more of like they've planned for this. And yeah. Cause you have to obviously. And they're super like ultralight out there was so much more of a thing than it was on the AT, you know, interesting. It's like having a duplex was like, I think, 30% of people had a duplex <laughs> or like one of those like six moon design, like close competitors, like people had the lights, the light. Like if you had like, if you had um, anything over like two and a half, three pounds, you were, you were, you were carrying relatively heavy for, for tents. Yeah. Um, shelters. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that, that was definitely a huge difference. Dude, that's, that's crazy. Do you, do you plan on going back and finishing what you missed or do you think you're just going to start over and just give it another shot? I thought about both of those. I mean, I would like to do the whole trail in one year. I met, I met a guy that like did like 1600 miles and then broke his ankle and then like went back a year later and just started from scratch. Like I, I, and I might've met a couple other people too that did that. Like, but I, I mean, I, the thing is I really do want to see Washington and Oregon. So if I were to go back, uh, if the circumstances allowed, I'd, I'd actually go southbound um, just to at least know that I could get down Washington and Oregon because I didn't get to see a lot of those states. Well, I didn't get to see any Washington. And those are like kind of the most hyped up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely would want to see that. And I would want to go back to the Sierra and um, see it, but only in August and September. Like seeing it in May and June is just not for me. It's just too dangerous. Too, yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing the PCT Sobo if and when I get out there. So yeah, definitely. That's the move. We'll Sobo see. We'll see. So <laughs> why don't we talk about this like Ironman triathlon stuff real quick? So yeah, in your, in your email, you, I'm going to kind of like paraphrase or, or just read this, honestly. Um, let's see. You said the commute. So talking about the hiking community versus like the Ironman triathlon community, you said, um, it's interesting how drastically different the uh, two worlds are from each other. They're both incredible feats of endurance, yet the communities surrounding one another are almost the exact opposite in many ways. So, I don't know anything about like triathlons and shit. Like, I I should probably ask you just like just to be clear, like what you're even talking about when it comes to that stuff. But I know most yeah. people listening are smarter than I am, so they probably know. But um, yeah, why don't you just explain like what you're talking about real quick there, and then. If you can remember, explain yeah, like what you meant by the two worlds being so like opposite of each other, I guess. Yeah, and I think I, instead of communities, I think I would say if I were to rephrase, I'd say cultures, like okay. the culture surrounding yeah, it. Yeah, but um, I, I think I, I think I. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. So, um, so the Iron Man, for those of you that, or for those that might not be familiar, um, Iron Man is like uh, it's a distance of a triathlon. Uh, and uh, so it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a marathon run. And uh, <laughs> the time limit on these events typically is 17 hours. So you're doing it in one day. Uh, it's Ironman is also a brand. So Ironman, the brand of Ironman controls most Ironman distance races. There are a few like non-branded races, but pretty much it's a big corporation, Ironman. So, um, tip, uh, there's like a whole culture surrounding it. Uh, there's half Ironman. I've done a half Ironman. Um, uh, I, di I did one a couple of years ago. Um, uh, and, uh, for the record, I still have not done an Ironman. I'm training for one right now, um, in Lake Placid. Uh, that's one of the, one of the more popular ones. Um, uh, there aren't too many Ironmans. It is maybe 30 in the U S 
So, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of them. Um, And I guess before I kind of go into like how they're different, how the culture is different from trail, I definitely want to go into a little bit how it's kind of similar in the sense that, you know, endurance wise, doing an Ironman, you know, requires some people, you know, train upwards of 20, 25 hours a week uh, between the bike, the swim, the run. Um, There's like set training plans and everything. Um, so it's, it's definitely like a, like a lot, a big feat of endurance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like the trail, um, you know, contrastly the trail, a lot of people don't like train, uh, to do with through hike necessarily. Um, I would agree with that. You know, you don't really, uh, so that's kind of a major difference. Um, because Ironman is a corporation, uh, it, it's, super expensive to get into. Um, I mean, just like the AT uh, and the PCT and other long trails, you can physically do it on a relatively low budget. Yeah. Uh, but your success, how far you get, how fast you are, just like the trails, uh, kind of depends on a little bit on how much money you're willing to kind of put into uh, gear. Uh, mm-hmm. And with with triathlon, it's primarily in the bike. Uh, I'm just kind of uh, getting into the world of how much people spend on bikes, and <laughs> uh, like two thousand dollars is like a low low ball. That's damn. That's crazy. That's, so most of your, and this is a big contrast. Most of your Ironman uh, type people are in like age range or in like their thirties, forties, fifties. They're they've already established their career so they can afford to do it. Right. Uh, and they kind of balance, um, family life with it. Uh, but they're not like too old where they can't physically do it. Right. Um, whereas kind of on the trail, uh, you have a lot more, uh, of your just graduate high school, just trying college, you know, in their mid twenties, mid late twenties. Um, uh, you know, retired people. So it's kind of very contrasting that way. Ironman's more of like middle ages versus uh, people doing trails or, you know, typically on the younger or very older end of the spectrum. Yep. Yep. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And yeah, so they're they're definitely, um, you know, and as far as like, uh, like the cost to do an Ironman itself, uh, even if you have like the cheapest of gear, um, uh, the entry fees are around like $800. Oh, wow. Jeez. So immediately if you're like a, like a struggling grad student like myself, like that's kind of a bit, bit of a barrier to entry. Um, you know, it's Why is definitely it so much money. It, like, I it, mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's costs to run it obviously, but yeah, I mean, part of it is that, you know, roads are being closed off. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. You, know, you get, you do get like a little bit of like, I guess like quote unquote like swag with like your entry fee like you would with like another like road race or something like you mm-hmm. get like um like a finisher medal and like different kind of like a t-shirt it's more elaborate than that but that kind of stuff um and that's like I found like one of the more prime differences between like an like something like the Ironman and like a like a um like doing a trail is that there's no barrier to entry on the trail yeah uh, as yeah. far as price like I mean maybe you pay like 10 bucks to like get a shelter and smokies but as far as the trail itself like you're not paying uh really anything to hike itself um so that's definitely like a huge difference and um as i kind of get more into the training uh kind of up it like i i'm in the same boat where i was with the uh trail where like i don't really know anyone or have too many contacts with people that have done like ironmans mm-hmm. uh Again, most people are like older, so um, and most of my friends like are not into that kind of stuff at all. Uh, you know, in their early twenties and things. So um, that's definitely like a, a pretty stark difference. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. Tell me about this Lake Placid thing because uh, that's not very far from where I live, obviously. So yeah, I'm just kind of curious about that. Like, where do you swim? In, so in like Mirror, Mirror Lake, Lake there? Okay. Mirror Lake, yeah. So the um uh the transition zone, which is like where you go from like the swim to bike or, or sorry, sw- uh, yeah, swim to bike, bike to run, is actually in like the oval. 
um, right near next to Mirror Lake, like the Olympic Oval. And cool, cool. the the ride is like two loops um, through a lot of those roads, like near the Adirondacks. Uh, I've hiked up there once or twice. So, um, uh, like you get you get close to like where the Adirondack lodges. For those of you that know like what uh, like the uh, in the Adirondacks, um, and the run is like in that area too. It's pretty. It's relatively hilly uh, compared to like any kind of hills you'd see like in the actual mountains themselves it's yeah. nothing but um and lake placid is i think the only iron man event like in this region uh there's none other there's no other iron man distance uh events uh, i think the nearest one might, might be somewhere near montreal or uh in kentucky somewhere there, wow. there, there, there really aren't so this is like if you're in the northeast and you want to do an iron man like this is like kind of your closest bet um i could could be wrong on that but i'm like 90 percent sure that's that's the case interesting um so well, when is the uh when is the race so it's the last weekend of july uh so it's a lot of people will make it a whole thing where they go up there for a week uh they ironman kind of forces you to stay there for the weekend because you have to check in your bike on friday and the race is sunday oh wow so they kind of like shoot up the hotel prices and motel <laughs> prices of like anywhere in that area. Which like it's, all, it's already expensive as fuck because it's oh, so like yeah, touristy it, there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so it's like, you know, uh, it, fortunately I, I don't live super far away from there. So I might be able to get away with like not having to stay over yeah, there. But, yeah, true. Um, Just zip up 87. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, but, you know, people, eh, you know, get as I mentioned before, get involved with this to all different levels. You could spend um, not just on the bike, but people like add additions to their bike, like uh, wheel sets and um, <laughs> kind of like also kind of like the AT and the PCT. You know, you have these uh, Facebook groups where people will post things about like their gear and recommending and fear mongering. You know, <laughs> yeah. So also on these like, the same thing happens on these Ironman uh, uh, groups. Like people are just like, oh, you, you know, ho hopefully you know you're putting in, you know, your three to four hour bike rides at this point because if you're not, like, you, you know, you're, you're kind of falling behind in your training, you know, <laughs> a little behind behind the game. And and the reality is with Ironman, just like with hiking the PCT or the AT, there's such a large percentage of the population that could physically do it, in my opinion. Um, you know, the 17 hour cutoff in Ironman is very generous. If you do the math there, like you could pretty much walk the marathon if you bike it like a, maybe like average slowish pace and still finish in under 17 hours. Um, you know, it's still an incredible physical accomplishment, just like sure, sure, yeah. finishing a long trail. But like, you know, you know, from, from doing a long trail, like if you were, if you just have the mental determination to just do it, you know, it most. That's my perspective. Yo, uh, um, um, can dude, I I fucked up again. There, I accidentally, uh, my monitor, uh, like <laughs> blanked out for a second, and so yeah, I, I, I cl clicked to wake it up, and of course, can't see where I'm clicking. I clicked right on the mute <laughs> button for you. That's so, all right. <laughs> uh, what? Oh shit! What, what did you say there? It literally was like the last. Eh, I'll fuck it. I'll make it work with the editing and shit. Okay. Um, okay. Why don't oh. we? Uh, <laughs> oh man, lots of technical difficulties today. Yeah, it's all good. Why don't why don't we uh, do a story, dude? Yeah, we're at sure. the end of the episode now. So, yeah, um, wow, I'm making that one quick. <laughs> yeah, they always do, man. They always do. So yeah, what do you uh, what do you got for us? Yeah, so um, I I kind of alluded to it earlier, but when I was on the PCT, uh, northern end of California, you get to a place called Syed Valley. Uh, it's the last town in California after being in California for like seventeen hundred miles. And I was nearing this town and I was once again going through serious feet issues, like probably nearing the pain that I had experienced uh, in the 100 mile wilderness. And there's like a two mile road walk that you have to do um, uh, to get into Side Valley, which is like literally just like one store. There's like nothing. <laughs> and I was so upset because I was it was coming to, I was coming to the realization at that point that like finishing the trail this summer was not possible. And like, I needed to see another doctor because there was like, just my feet were just not looking healthy. And despite all the stuff I was doing for them. Yeah. So like, 
I I like I like limped into town, like really like limped. Um, and I got a ride an hour away to a town called Wairika. Wairika is not a trail town at all. It's um again, it's an hour away from Side Valley. It's uh I I had got there be I the lady that owned the store was like commuting back there, so she gave me a lift. Um and I got there, saw a doctor, they were able to help me out a little bit, but I wasn't able to get back to Side Valley right. uh, that day because just the logistics were crazy and there was a bus that only ran like twice a week in that direction. So uh, usually when I'm in a town, uh, like a decent sized town, I don't really, not really sure what to do. I kind of go to the library. Um, yeah, so yeah. I went to the library and like, we're just researching like, like, like maybe like plane tickets back and like, like if like for, I, I wanted to get into Oregon. Like I was going to drag myself like bloody, it, it didn't matter. Like I need to at least get to work in. So I was kind of like making plans, figuring out what I was going to do. And the library was closing and I didn't have a place to stay that night. And the motels were really expensive. So I was like, oh, what the hell am I going to do? I'm like in a, I'm like in like a, like a real like town slash small city and I have nowhere to go. So I got onto like the, the porch of the library and there was a couple of homeless people there. And I was like, I asked them if there's any campgrounds in the area and they're like, well, no, but that bench is all yours if you want it. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And I was, I was a little hesitant, you know, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't blame and you. I, I spent the night with these homeless people and they offered me like first aid stuff that some of them had. And we had like just a good night, just like, and, and they had a deal with the library where like if they did community service, they could stay on the porch. That's kind of why they were there. But, but, um, so it was totally like allowed if we weren't like trespassing. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Um, and I just, I had some, some of the realest conversations I've had more than like with people on the trail itself. I had with those homeless people. Um, and just like how out of the way they went for me, like they, some, like some lady, like they, they had like a spigot like at a nearby house that they could get water from. So they like, one of them like went over to get me some water. And like, it just made me realize like to put all my problems into perspective, like they're like, when you have an issue on trail, like at the end of the day, like it's a, it's very much a privilege to be out here, like on the trail. Um, and you know, you, you really, you know, when you step out into the real world and, and some of these same problems kind of arise, you, you just realize like how fortunate you are and, and, you know, at that time also just on the trail, I, I, I wasn't really connected with a lot of people. A lot of people were just kind of breezing by me and I was like kind of back into a routine of kind of camping alone. And this is the first night I hadn't camped alone in a while. And it was with a bunch of homeless people in a town an hour away from the trail, but <laughs> I, I had a great night with them. And, um, yeah, that was definitely one of the most like eye opening experiences that I had, um, out in California or just on the. I don't know if I'd count that as on the trail, but to me, to me I, I, I do. Yeah. I mean, in the context of your hike still. So that's crazy. dude. <laughs> yeah. So damn, yeah. damn. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it, man. Um, that, that's such a, it's such a good reminder to kind of, you know, keep yourself level headed about how lucky you are to, to be doing things like that. So that's awesome, man. Why don't you go ahead and plug any like social media or anything where you want people to go check out your shit and follow you on any future <laughs> hikes and uh, do all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, I uh, I have an Instagram that I use for most of like uh, when I'm ever backpacking or um, uh, cycling or, or sorry, hiking, um, backpacking. Uh, so R-I underscore F-O-X-Y. So uh ri foxy i guess that's my um i've been meaning to change that but um <laughs> too late now since, it's locked yeah up. i think i've had it since like my freshman year of high school but uh that's my instagram um that, that would probably be the best place to follow me um cool, man. for this kind of stuff so awesome um but yeah dude thank you so much uh sorry about some of the technical stuff we had here but we made it made it work oh absolutely man i, I it's a pleasure being on i'm glad to talk about this stuff yeah, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to everybody listening, thank you as well. Take it easy. Have a good one. Peace out. All right.